Well, hello, everybody. Very excited today. Um, it's not many times in my life that I get to sit in a room with two presidents, and uh, we're doing it here in Columbia, South Carolina. Today we have uh, Mr. President Dr. Amaritas here from the University of South Carolina, our new president. It's so excited to have him. And we also have our new Madam President, <laughs> Reedy Newton, here today. And Excited that y'all are both here. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to come and join. We're excited. Columbia's excited to have both of you here. We're excited about what's going to happen here in the future. And and we just really want to get people to get to know both of you. Um, so we're going to start off uh, with the Madam President, as, as w I believe we should. Um, just Madam President, just give us a little bit history about, you know, your connection to South Carolina and why you're so excited to be the new student body president at the University of South Carolina. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having us. I know we're both so excited to be here. Um, I serve as the student body president. I'm a senior studying marketing and mass communications within the Darla Moore School of Business. Um, and it's such a special place for me to be able to study. My grandmother was the first woman to receive an MBA from the University of South Carolina. And I'm a fourth generation Gamecock. My great grandparents met on our historic horseshoe back in 1920. So it's so special for me to be a student at the University of South Carolina. My brother is an undergraduate student. My sister is a rising senior in high school, so maybe future Gamecock as well. Um, but I have just loved my time, and I'm so sad to be leaving very soon. Oh, you don't have to leave. There's always <laughs> room for you to stay. Don't be fooled. Dr. Amaritas, it's so excited that you're our new president really excited for a whole lot of reasons, but just maybe let the listeners know a little bit about your connection to Columbia, since not everybody surprisingly knows your connection. So, Mr. Mayor, thank you. And I'm glad that you started with Reedy because she's one of my bosses. She's <laughs> one of the, of the 21 members of the Board of Trustees. So, so the president of the student body participates in, in the governance of the university. Yeah. We're delighted. Iro and I, my wife and I, are delighted to be back home uh, to Colombia. Uh, we spent 21 years here, between 1994 and 2015. And the time that I spent in my hometown was 18 years. I left at the age of 18. So Colombia is the place that I have spent most of the time in my life. And it was wonderful to have the opportunity after seven years in Chicago to come back. Uh, we st I started here in 1994 at what you would say is probably what used to be the mailroom in, in, in one of these companies. Now the, the younger viewers that they follow you probably have no clue what the mailroom was. We didn't have uh, emails at that point. There was mail coming in, and the first job in a big corporation was the mailroom. So similarly to this, I was an assistant professor, an assistant professor of chemical uh, engineering. And through the years, I moved through the ranks. I became the department chair. I became the dean of engineering in the last six years. I was the uh, the provost of the university. And, you know, at the university, we have all of these uh, complicated titles, right? Who is the provost? What is a chancellor? Uh, just to confuse people. I, it I sounds think in good, though, right? Yeah, it sounds good, and they're Roman as well, so that, that's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, but uh, but that, that means that I was the chief academic officer of, of the university. Uh, so after seven years in Chicago, when the opportunity uh, came, uh, we didn't give it a second thought. Let's go back home. Uh, was what uh, Iro and I decided to do, and we're thrilled to be back home. Oh, we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, you know, it, it was great when the announcement came and we got this message at the last minute, hey, this you need to be here. This is um, what's getting ready to happen. And two of my favorite people in the world, the Van Husses. Mm -hmm. And you would have thought that you were Susie Van Huss's child. She was walking around there, peacocking around uh, the reception. She was so excited. And for me, when people like that who have been enriched in our school and, and played a host of positions and still are always there for the university, talk about an individual the way they talked about you, we knew it was the right fit. So every day we're excited that you're here. Thank you. You know what the closet was, right? They told me at the, at the end, at the end of the negotiation to convince me, they said, and you have yet another graduate of the university as the mayor of the city. So I said, okay, <laughs> now, now you have me. <laughs> I wish it was that. That was the case. But uh, no, uh, I, like you, Columbia became my adopted home. I've spent more time here than I've spent any, any in my life. And uh, 
unfortunately, my parents didn't. Uh, they did meet in the U.S., but it was on a blind date when both of them were here for internships from Switzerland, not for uh, um, education at the university. But it's so exciting um, as school starts. It gets my my blood pumping when I see all the people in Columbia. And, you know, to see all the freshmen and know how many new students, but also get to meet the parents. You know, we were out to dinner the other night and was at Motor Supply, and I said, oh, there's a freshman set of parents, you can tell. And so we <laughs> stopped and talked to them and, and gave them some pointers and told them where to go. And they're like, everybody has been so nice, and we're so excited. And what I think what thrilling was is the younger daughter who was with them who uh, – they're like, you know, we really lo- would like to move to Columbia. And I said, well, look, I can have six realtors call you tomorrow. That's not a problem. We'll get your daughter enrolled in school somewhere. Uh, but the daughter already said that she, this is where she wants to come. That everything from, from the first time they toured to moving in, the freshman experience, the opportunities they've had to integrate, they were so excited about, which is a great, that's a telling story, you know, um, when I came here, it was, you know, you just you came to the university. You know, I mean, it was not the fanfare or the competition that it is today. So it's so exciting. So in Columbia, life as a student, we've got the kids coming in. We've got football season starting. So what's your, what's your outlook for the year, Mr. President? What do you, what do you see? Where, where are the charts pathing? You know, what are you thinking that, that, that your goal is going to be for, for – the University of South Carolina, not only at its main campus here, but all of its affiliated campuses. We're going to have a great year. That I know already, because we know the numbers of the students that they have come in. We had uh, the largest class ever uh, at USC here in Columbia. Uh, We brought in approximately 6,600 freshmen, 6,596 to be exact. Uh, And if you add to them all the transfers that we had, and the exchange students were over 8,500 students, wow. new students here at the university. Uh, kudos to our housing staff because they did a fantastic job navigating this process. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you may have heard complaints from the parents about how, uh, how difficult it would be to find places to park, to move, everything that they move. Thank God the, the TVs are no longer these huge boxes now. They're just flat screens that we're carrying. That makes life much easier. Uh, but, uh, but it went very smoothly. Everybody uh, came into the dorms. Uh, we are bursting through the seams. And we are very proud of this and very happy because it shows the strength of the brand. It's the largest South Carolina uh, class that we have, South Carolinians in the freshman class. It's the most diverse class that we have seen in decades with 23% of our, uh, of our new freshmen uh, being represent underrepresented minorities. So it's, it's a class that every school would dream about. Uh, and it shows, once again, how much the university is respected in the state and out of the state, uh, in the East Coast. East Coast and in the Midwest. So we're starting on a very, very good foot. And, and I love, uh, Mr. Mayor, what, uh, what you thought, uh, talked about being so exciting at the beginning of the year is that the students bring life back to the campus, back in the classrooms, back to Colombia, to downtown Colombia as well. Uh, I spent the first two months here uh, in July and August chasing squirrels <laughs> around because I didn't have any students to talk to and I was trying to take selfies with squirrels. And I'm serious about that. <laughs> and I told this to the students and now they're helping me. Wherever they find me, they come to take selfies with me. Uh, so it's a great start. Uh, so I got corrected the other day. It's not a selfie, it's an ussy. Because I don't know there's what more than one of us. Oh, I've never heard that. Yep, an I, ussy. I, okay, hey. I'm just telling you something new I heard today. So now I know what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, we have great plans also early in the semester uh, to get the students together and listen to their perspectives. And I, I let Riri talk a little bit more about it because she is the one that together with, uh, with my office, they're organizing this great retreat that we will have called Imagine Carolina with, uh, with our students. Yes, um, so we are putting together a presidential retreat to hear from 500 undergraduate students in the Columbia campus 
to hear their feedback and listen to their concerns, um, the things they love on campus, to help the president really formulate his action plan going forward. Um, and so we're so excited to have the opportunity to sit around a room to imagine what Carolina is like, what's the University of South Carolina like for each individual student and how we can enhance that experience for everyone. So we're working with, like he said, the president's office and the Department of Student Life to put this on and we could not be more excited. And I hope you can join us. Oh, uh, you know I will. Absolutely. Absolutely want to join our, uh, you know, reading about it in the paper and, and seeing those. And as you know, we started a, a mayor's collegiate council for the same reason. How do, how do we continue to get our young folks involved in our community, but also involved in each other's campuses? Everything from, from arts to sporting events and the cross-pollination of having all of these young people. we got 60,000 students in our community. How do we bring everybody together so that they become more part of the community? And I think this is this is great to to hear from the students themselves. You know, I have a feeling you'll have more than 500 people. You <laughs> have to figure out how to have multiple days. I, I think people want to be engaged today. And I see the excitement around campus is, you know, um, I will tell you all the merchants and restaurateurs I've talked to, I mean, they're smiling. You know, for two months they've been frowning between rain and everybody being gone, and now, you know, the city's alive. You know, you go to Suda City and you see it. But, you know, thank you all for, for the Imagine. That's that's going to be an incredible program, which, you know, is a great segue in is I hope what we can learn from from this process is, is how, how do we become better partners? How do we use the talents both in the city and at the university to grow economically, socially, you know, how do we, we come together more? And I think this will be a good way to, to base this because, you know, unfortunately we only hear the, 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 when it becomes an argument or a neighbor's upset or somebody, how, how do we bring that closer together? And I think that's what's going to be exciting because we're going to hear it from the folks. I, I can tell you what I heard from the kids when I have met with them, but I want to wait and hear what they say there and see how, how that comes together. Um, you're working on bringing in, um, you know, the, the, the children the kids, the young students into the to the equation of how you're going to build your strategic plan. What are some of the ideas you have personally for your strategic plan to move the university forward? I mean, you got a hell of a football coach now, so we got some real excitement in the fall. And then, you know, we've got two incredible basketball coaches. We had Lamont here last week, and I have to tell you, or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, and his philosophy and his outlook is, I mean, can't if you, I would have never had picked him out of the whole coaching carousel if I had, and now if I had heard him speak before, he would have been right there at the top of my list. Uh, I mean, what he's trying to do is incredible, but share a little bit of your vision there, Mr. President. Right, so let's leave athletics to athletics. Right, uh, this is the uh, the uh, the strategic plan of the athletic director and his coaches. Uh, I, I can tell you that uh, uh, I'm I'm confident that uh, that they will do well. Uh, we will continue to win uh, national championships. Uh, Don Stelly will not stop. Uh, she is uh, really a force to be reckoned with, and, and she is starting a new dynasty. Uh, but I think we will see these affect everybody else as well. And yes, we will win more football games. Uh, but I'm not going to be running the ball. I'm not going to be passing <laughs> the ball. I'm not going to be calling plays. I'm going to be a cheerleader. <laughs> and in fact, we agreed with Rudy. I'll go to the student section at the beginning of, uh, of the games uh, just to to sense the, the energy there. But let's go back to, to the university, right, in terms of, uh, of priorities. Uh, and, and the university has a strategic plan, a long strategic plan that we will, we will take and resynthesize it to a little bit of uh, more focused uh, priorities. But, but the, the key here is uh, the reason that we are a university is, is the students, is the success and the experience of our students. So it cannot be a higher priority than the experience and the success of our students. Uh, and this can be translated in many different ways. We want to hear their perspectives about uh, how does the experience is inside the classroom, what is happening outside of the classroom. When we're talking about success, uh, how do we transition uh, from degree to career? 
uh, for decades in the past. Uh, you know, you, you finish your degree, probably it happened to you, uh, it happened to me. You got a handshake at the end which said congratulations and good luck. Right? That Today, there is more of an expectation, help me move into the career component, the climate on campus. So all of these define the student experience and success. And that's one thing that we will explore with our students because they know the experience better than anybody else. Right? But beyond the student experience and success, we, we cannot forget that this is a research university, that research is uh, encoded in our academic DNA. We continue to discover, we continue to advance science and culture. Mm -hmm. And that has to be a characteristic of these universities, so facilitating and demonstrating the impact of our research. Because the, the community, the society, wants us to do research that is not just for the sake of research, but it's, it has an impact. And explaining why black holes are important, because they are important. Explaining the basic research for the next 40 years, but also deal with some practical issues of today as well. Uh, it is our responsibility to improve the quality of lives in the surrounding communities through the health care that we provide, the health sciences that we prepare, through addressing local problems, very practical local problems. So that has to be a priority. And then another priority of mine is that uh, in the next uh, iteration of, this, uh, of the university, and I don't know if it's USC 8.0, or 9.0, or 12.0, whatever is the number that we are at, right, I want this university to be more user-friendly or complicated, difficult to navigate for the students, for the parents, even for our own staff, for the external community. What can we do to, uh, to bring it into the 21st century and make things a little bit easier, uh, become a user-friendly university? And, and these are the priorities. Now, exactly how implement them? I don't claim that I have all the solutions. In fact, I have been away for seven years. I want to hear from the people who have the experience the solutions to talk about how exactly do we implement. But if you ask me right now and before listening to uh, all the constituencies, that's where we're heading. That's great to hear. You know, one of the things that excites me is when you talk about experiences because every time somebody has a positive experience, it extends their their thought process, their their attachment to a community. So every great experience that a student has at the university is a, a positive reflection on our city. And so, you know, we're going to get to a point where I want to talk a little bit about postgrad. But at this point, the experience, how do we translate those experiences or enhance those experiences as well where we can try to bring in the community as well so that it becomes this constant uh, rollover experience and and I'll let either one of y'all kind of pick th pick this because the students are such an economic force but so is the university you know and and I say this because it's kind of a twofold question and maybe I can send it to both of you because I had an opportunity to go over to the McNair Center and see some of the research that's going on with undergrad and 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 graduate students and was blown away about what was happening down the street and nobody knew it. How do we take some of that research and those experiences that are happening there and integrate it into the everyday student life, Mr. President? You know, where they can – It's a, to me, it's a proud factor. I was like, I didn't know this, and I love to tell people that. Do you know what those kids are doing down there? You know what those young people are doing right now? How, how do we integrate that into the experiences that you have on campus? Well, we have to communicate better, and we have to communicate broader uh, along these lines. Um, and I think there are a lot of things that happen at the university because we're a large organization that I don't even know about. I'm asking as I go around the university, tell me what you're doing well. Let <laughs> me understand it so I can advertise it for you. I can communicate this. So, so this is one, one aspect. But, but then we need to facilitate the blending of the, of the Columbia community with the, with the university. Uh, I think there are many different uh, components there. Is the physical access. Right? Uh, we, the two of us have talked about uh, Main Street, for example, uh, south of the, of the capital, making this more friendly, uh, make, putting some trees there, putting some pedestrian space. So it becomes, it allows flow right, towards the university. I'm thrilled to see that while I was away, last seven years, the students now are crossing Gervais. They feel very comfortable going into Main Street North. But bringing now the city from the mainstream south into the university is important. 
Uh, and we made progress with Green Street, yeah. taking green to the river, right? Working around the river. And that's where the university community and the Columbia community can blend. That will give us opportunities also. Uh, it's not only athletics, because athletics bring us together. The city comes, the university comes and we blend. But there may be other opportunities there, especially along the river, maybe in parts of the main street, to have some uh, other type of events, uh, performances, uh, our arts programs, theater, music, concerts that we can have in the evenings. The, the weather here is fantastic. It's not like uh, in Chicago, you can always only be in the Millennial Park for a couple of months, maybe three months. After that, you must be crazy <laughs> to be out there. Uh, so here we have the advantage of the weather. We can do a lot of outdoor things together. We have the venues, we can bring them bring them together. Uh, I don't know, what are you thinking, uh, really? You, you said that um, you know the Columbia community, when they're successful, the university is successful, and the university is successful, Columbia is successful. So we feed off of each other. And in the Department of Student Life, when we engage with our new students and our freshman students, we say, if you're ever bored on campus, you should not be. There are so many opportunities that we provide on campus and so many experiences that students can have off campus in the Columbia community. Um, I have loved living here, whether that's you know visiting the Congaree River and going to the Riverwalk or um, having dinner in the Vista or down in Five Points. Um, it's been such a great place to have my college experience, and I think that engaging in our students and in in this communication aspect, bridging the gap between the university and the Columbia community, where we are both located, is just a great opportunity for all of us. So, saying that, what do you think we could do as a city to enhance that relationship with the students, and how could we do a better job? of sharing the different opportunities, experiences um, in the community with the students. From your opinion, you know, you've, you've been here for four years. You're, you, you know, you kind of grew up on campus, so I guess that, that, that <laughs> counts. But, but literally, I mean, w what are some ideas that you could share with us that you think from your experience would be things that we, we could do better as a city? I definitely think that communication aspect of things that are going on in the city that students feel like they can be a part of. I know that students love to go to Soda City on Saturday mornings. Um, and so maybe using that as an outlet to promote things that are happening around the community um, to, to have students attend. I think that would be a, a great way. And, and I, I participated in Experience Columbia at the freshman uh, experience. I went and talked to a couple of families while I was there and kind of listened in, and they did a really good job about showcasing. But I wanted to figure out is how do how do we kind of enhance that? Because I, I ran into a student the other day at Soda City, senior, going to stay, going to law school here, but never been on the river. You know, how do we change those type of things, that, you know, to get folks to enjoy that natural assets we have, Congaree Swamp? So, you know, can we build something in where we partner with local folks on a, on the freshman experience? And, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a picture on the Gervais Street Ridge with 100 kids floating down the river? Be a, I mean, it'd be an incredible picture to sh share in, as part of the tour and part of the reel that y'all have, but... I mean, I, to me, it would be experience. So we're always trying to figure out what can we do to enhance the student experience because I believe, and this is will segue into the the postgraduate pieces, is you know one of the things that that really bothers me and I, it keeps me up at night is is why we can't keep young folks that are postgrads here in our community. You know, is it what are the different? Why is that? Is it just the job market? Is it because they never felt really part of the community? What is it? So that's one of those questions that we want to keep asking and try to figure out. But I'd love to hear y'all's take on what you think we could do to help that part of it with, with the connectivity of of folks, so that post grad there's an opportunity for here and and. I've heard some different things, but I'd be curious to hear what, what your thought is, Mr. President. I think access to the river, just to speak about the river, uh, access to the river closer to the university is, is will make a difference. Uh, at this point, uh, you go up to Gervais, you have to cross on the other side. And, and keep in mind that a lot of our freshmen uh, and the underclassmen, they don't have cars. 
right? So it is, it's not an easy uh, route uh, there. Uh, again, that's why I brought Green Street. If Green Street gets connected to, it, to, to, uh, to the pathways, it's going to be much easier for them to do this. Uh, I think also uh, attracting the students, it's, it's great. You, you talked about uh, the soda, right? Uh, but that's only on Saturdays, right? Uh, what, are attractive, what other attractive points can be there permanently? It could be some retail. I was thinking about it. Uh, one one thing that I have seen that uh, that and I don't know if we can talk about s- specific brands or not. Right? Uh, you are free to say whatever right. you want. So I can tell you that uh, in Chicago, next to the university or near the university, a few blocks away, was a big target, two three stories, right? A lot of students there. This is the place where they go for retail, they go for food, they can get everything out of it. I have seen the same thing in downtown Denver very close to the University of Chapel Colorado Hill, Denver. Athens. Yeah. Uh, so there okay. is, you know, there, this type of a, of a outlet. It, it doesn't have to be this specific uh, chain, but uh, but something that provides this mix at relatively low come, uh, low, uh, low price. Uh, yeah, it is, it is something that will be attractive. Um, the other thing that may be missing is some, what I would call mid-range range restaurants. Um, there are a lot of great restaurants in the Vista and in Maine, but if we're talking about $30 per entree or uh, 35 or 28 our students will not afford it. They will not go to something like this. Uh, then if you look below that, there is very little, uh, very small number of options before you go to the, to the fast food. So if you, if you manage to bring uh, a number of mid-range restaurants, maybe some national chains even, right, that the price is around 15 to 20 that will be attractive, much more attractive to our students, and they will frequent them. And where they're placed, are they in the Vista, are in Main Street, Main Street all of a sudden, or maybe on the south side of Main Street? I suspect, and I'm not a businessman, I never run a restaurant, right? but I suspect that it may be an attractive proposition uh, for some of them. Uh, and, and as you know, you have been in, in many college towns, as I have, uh, coffee shops, coffee shops in which students can go and stay for a while, uh, graduate students, undergraduate students. I have seen them you know, at Urbana-Champaign, at uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado, numbers of them. Uh, and, and they go and they frequent these, uh, these places. Uh, so these are the type of uh, businesses that uh, probably can do well financially, and they will attract the students to different parts of the of the city nearby the university always but see this and this is where i think we have a, in my mind an intr- incredible opportunity to to go after these type of businesses together because yeah. think about this if you're a business and you're a ceo and you open your email on a monday morning and you got two thousand emails from college students going, we want you to come to our community, followed up by a letter from the president of the university and a letter from the mayor and from the county council and other folks going, come here, be part of it. And this is what I'd be curious to see what happens with this Imagine, if we can pull some of that information out. Well, who are the target? You know, we've heard folks, you know, target, downtown university target, people looking for, hey, I need supplies, but I also want to, uh, to grab some grocery items. But I've heard Yeti. Apple Store is the number one request, and we all know it. And I've been turned down a dozen times, but I'm going to try a dozen more times. You know, we ought to have an Apple Store here. But I think we need to take our, our, our student population and use them as part of our marketing team to tell our story and really come together. So this may be something that we, we yeah. can engage the, the, the population to do is help us get those mid-range restaurants. You know, what's working in other college communities? Because you're right, having a mid-range but when people come in town, then everybody participates in it as well, and so do uh, so do the community. It's a benefit to the community, not just a student population. And I think that's what makes them so successful. So, no, I'm excited about about this, and these are these are great great options. And you know, as as we grow the campus and we grow the city, let's let's go after some yeah. of these. We'll be happy to help. I love it. I love it. Um, you talked a little bit about the businesses you see and, and where you want to head. Um, uh, we always ask when we get to this point in a conversation with everybody is, if you had to name one business that's not here 
that you want here not necessarily have to be for the community. It could be just a personal thing. What would, what would that business be? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer to that. A particular brand? <laughs> it could be a brand. It could be a concept. <laughs> it could be a business. And then I'll tell you what all the guests have said be- before you because it's kind of interesting. You know, more of a concept for me, uh, I would love to see more outdoor dining. There is, uh, we have great weather here. Now, you cannot do outdoor dining in <laughs> July or August, right? <laughs> but the rest, the rest of the year, we have wonderful, great weather. Uh, whether this is rooftops or backyards, and I know there is some, but I yeah. would love to see more. Even a pedestrian street that can have tables there. Uh, you know, in many cities in Europe in particular, there are a number of them, but during COVID, this caught up in the big cities uh, in New York, right, in LA, there were a lot of restaurants that put all the tables out because that's the only way that they could operate. And this has been fantastic, right? It has changed the culture to some extent. Uh, so more outdoor dining for me, especially in a nice night in September, in October, in November even, is is what I love doing. Uh, sitting down there, you know, having uh, having a nice meal, maybe a glass of wine also. Yeah, now that you say that, definitely. I, I know the students have loved, um, we have a couple of rooftops here, um, some breweries that are around outdoor engagement with the students um, in the community. I would love to see more of that as well. And, and I think utilizing, you know, one of, the th- one of the hopes that I have is that we create more road diets. And as we create those road diets, not only slow down traffic, but then that gives us the ability for restaurants and other people to use other parts of the sidewalk to really enhance. And you're right. When you go to other communities, so much outdoor dining, and it's usually the first place people want to sit when the weather's nice. There's something about being outside as you're enjoying a meal and hearing the sights and the sounds and uh, of the of the community and yeah, maybe we can get to a point where we can even close down some streets at night and have a little restaurant row and, and create its own little atmosphere. And, uh, and how about instead of, of, uh, of listening only to that, you also hear the river. You're on the river in San Antonio with canals actually have all the restaurants around the river yeah. are there. Uh, and that's another option that we have. Yeah, I hope at some point, you know, we're so limited. Everybody forgets we're really limited about where we can build on the river. But there are some options that could be creative long-term, how we could do it. And um, the connectivity as well, once we get to that point where people can really walk from everywhere, I think it's going to create some pop-up. Yeah. You know, one of the things I noticed traveling is that almost every park in other countries – have some type of food and beverage tied into it. Even if it's a small kiosk or something, there's something there, and people tend to sit and enjoy and absorb the atmosphere around. So there's a lot to be said about that. Greenville is a good example also. I understand that they have a lot of outdoor uh, dining spaces uh, near the the waterfall there. Yeah. The creek. Yeah. The Reedy River. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying the Reedy River. But it's funny. I'll tell. I'll tell y'all. It's a, the number one request that people have asked is for a speakeasy. Isn't that funny? Wow. That's that is that's funny. what we've had. We've had everybody from Robin Waits to uh, Kim Crafton from the uh, uh, airport here, and everybody come is speakeasy. Isn't that the funniest thing? That that's the hilarious. number one request so far. Speakeasy. But I love the outdoor part tying in the outdoors into more campus. And I think we've we've embraced more. You know, when I was here, yeah, you did walk around, but we we drove everywhere because we were so spread out. And today, it's Main Street's alive because we have students living on Main Street. Exactly. I truly contribute Main Street. When, when we talked about converting that into student housing, the hub, there were people said you're just kill you're killing down. Well, at that point downtown was already dead. I mean, when I came here in 1988, you could bowl down Main Street. There was nobody there. Five o'clock, everything was gone. Now every day of the week is filled. So there's so much going on and so much excitement. Um, Mr. President, you've you've been here for what three months uh, in oh, your new two, role? Two months. Two, two months. Two months in your new role. Any surprises? 
changes. I have seen uh, exactly the same difference that uh, that you are talking about, Mr. Mayor, in in the in the main street. I didn't expect this. It's very different from what uh, what I left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of housing, student housing around the university. It's the result of the of the growth of the university. Uh, so these were interesting changes. I, I, you know. I I forget because you have in here a lot of this has happened since you you went to Illinois. Yes, yes, seven years. Yeah, yeah, a lot of changes have happened. I think all positive. Um, as we continue to to move forward and and things are growing throughout, um, what's kind of your hope for the university, Madam President? My hope for the university. Wow, I don't know if I've been asked that. Um, but I hope that we are able to, well, to the community perspective, as the flagship university of the state of South Carolina, our role is to educate um, students here in the state of South Carolina and then elsewhere. And so I would love to see a larger presence of our students re- staying in Columbia and staying in South Carolina to so be able to retain those students, to increase the community and engage in the community and work here. I would, I would love to see and. I would love to see, you know, students continuing to get involved in things post-pandemic world where there's such a, a buzz and an energy on campus. So being able to capitalize that in each student um, and seeing their journey from there, how that impacts the university and how that impacts the community, the state, um, the nation. And that's my hope. Wow. <laughs> I think she might be giving you a run for your money, Mr. President. She's my boss. <laughs> 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 Dr. Amaritas, you ha- you you've you've experienced Columbia. You've been here, part of it. You know, you, you've got settled in. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the changes you've made, some of the staff that you've brought in? Because I know you've made you've kind of rounded off your your cabinet now. Sure. I think it'd be great if you maybe you could just kind of give us an idea of of the folks that you've surrounded yourself with and and who they are, just so people get to know them. Well. Before we talk about who they are, right? Uh, yeah. What did they bring to the table? For me, was uh, was a very important question. And uh, one thing that uh, that I can tell you, Daniel, is that uh, during the uh, the last two months, uh, I've been around the state. Uh, last night, I was in Florence, uh, for example. I've been in, in Hilton Head, in Beaufort, in Greenville, Lexington on the other side. Rock Hill, talking to alumni, talking to business leaders, uh, and that was a great time because there was nobody on campus here. And what I heard from them, uh, loud and clear, first of all, is the very strong support and love for this university. This university is the flagship of the state, our alumni, our supporters, very proud of it. Uh, And they want us to move forward. The message that I'm getting, move forward. What we need right now is success and stability. And that's the goal. In everything that we do, we want to be successful, we want to be stable. That's what the new cabinet reflects. The people that I brought in, uh, they have been successful, they have a track record, and also they will bring stability. They are here to stay here uh, for a period of time. Uh, So over the last few months, we were able to confirm a permanent uh, vice president for research, uh, a new provost that came from the University of Kentucky, Donna Arnett. Uh, she's a public health uh, p- professional, and she was dean of the of the uh, of the College of Public Health. Uh, by the way, Julius Fredrickson is also a public health uh, uh, faculty member here in Colombia, and he is now the permanent vice president for research. Outstanding research, outstanding research. Uh, we hired a new vice president for student affairs, which is a big job at uh, at USC. Uh, Rex Tolliver, originally from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last uh, six years we have worked together in Chicago. He was my vice chancellor for student affairs, and he just started on Monday. Uh, he's on the job four days now. And then Michelle uh, Dodenhoff is our vice president for development, who was here uh, up until 2013. She was the last uh, leader of our development efforts who completed a billion-dollar campaign. And, uh, and Michelle left at that point, went to New Orleans. She's also from Louisiana. And after a number of phone calls, we managed to get her back here uh, to lead our fundraising and development efforts. And she's uh, just hit the, the ground running because she knows the place, she knows the donors, uh, and she's going to move us to the next capital campaign. 
uh, I also appointed uh, a new chief of staff. So if you look at this now, it's a full cabinet. And I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, with the expertise that we brought, the experience that we have. This cabinet together brings many, many years of experience in higher education and also uh, the proven record right, and the stability that it will bring. So I'm very happy. This is, this is the first phase that has been completed. We still have a number of openings in deans. Uh, just today we announced that we have a new dean of the libraries who was the dean of the libraries. Uh, he still is at Tulane. University and before that he was at Brown, uh, was Ivy League schools. He's coming to us with great experience and the libraries are very critical these days because the libraries are no longer only depositories of knowledge and information, are spaces uh, where the, uh, the students congregate together, they study there, they spend time there. If you go to our main library, really knows, right? Before exams, you, there's no space. Everybody is down on the floor working. Yeah. And <laughs> we true. need somebody who understands the needs of the students and will facilitate the experience of the students. I'm very happy with him coming as well. Uh, there's still a number of, of additional openings in deans, but uh, that's why the new provost is working with them. Uh, how, many, how many openings do you have still uh, in the deans? Because I know it's been it's kind of fluctuating over the interims. years. It's interims, uh, it's education, it's uh, hospitality, retail, sports management, and it's social work. And we also know that the dean of the business school is stepping down at the end of the year, so this is in process as well. So there are four deans, opportunity to hire four new deans as well in these areas. Well, I'm so excited for the president's senior team of leaders. I can say from my experience and my interactions with them, they have proven to be student-centric and have all requested meetings with me or other students on their first day of work. I met with Dr. Tolliver on Monday, and I'm so excited to get to work with him um, as you mentioned, he's from Louisiana. He was at LSU and was very um, heavily involved in student government at LSU. And so we're looking forward to the ways that we can interact with the institution and the group of senior leaders that the president has brought in. So we'll not confuse everybody who hears, who is this LSU guy? That's the one that came to Chicago. I hired him from LSU yeah. to Chicago. Yes, yes. And now he's here. And I look forward to meeting him. I've heard a lot of great, great things about him. And, and I think he's in probably one of the most critical roles, I think, at the university. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, um, and the fact that the, the interaction's already happening, and uh, that's, that's a great sign. <laughs> but see, I, I think what you've done is you, you, you've surrounded yourself with just an incredible team that's just going to help keep elevating us and, and achieving this. But at the same time, you're attacking at the high level of fundraising. You're attacking the high level of education, making sure we're getting the best deans. But at the end of the day, you're still grounding yourself with the student population. And I, I, that says a lot about where you're headed. My, my goal is for the cabinet, everybody in the cabinet, to be much smarter than I am. And these, oh, I want to be the these, dumbest these, person in the room <laughs> all the these, time. This defines success. Right, and I'm doing well right now. <laughs> I'm below the average by now. <laughs> but it's it, it, it's it's so great to hear it because both of you are talking about what's happening at the university, and there's an excitement in your voices and, and where you're headed from the student side, from from the administration side, and and that's a great thing because let's let's be honest, it's not always been that way. And now, now we have this 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 great roundabout. It's and I'd laugh a little bit, but I, I do. I think people are really looking for new opportunities, new changes, new experiences, but also wanting to be part of those. They want to help advance us. You know, it used to be where some people just didn't want to be engaged, and I think those days are over. People really want to be part of it. They want to be engaged. I know we've heard it uh, fr from the, 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 the young folks and the students, uh, especially the post-grads, um, you know, which is, is something that I feel like the city has to work on and work very hard with our, our colleges and universities here is to make sure that we're exposing our students to all the opportunities that could be here. And really starting earlier, sophomore, junior years, where internships and summer job opportunities or even during the year. I mean, I worked two jobs when I was here at Carolina. Um, wasn't the greatest academic student, but I do have sheepskin on the wall, and it is signed for real, folks, I promise <laughs> you. Um, but it was working in the community that also drew me into the community, and it was, it was such a great experience. And when I graduated 
uh, most of my friends who took jobs here or started businesses here, and I want that same opportunity for multiple reasons. A, I want to keep all the talent that we have here because they're really going to help us grow. But selfishly, I also want opportunities for the future so that you know when my daughters come back, they have an opportunity to to work here as well. And it's not it's not trading a career, but you know following the career path you have. That same option they have somewhere else, they ought to have here. So there's a lot for us to work on. Um, you talked a lot uh, about making the changes uh, and, and bringing in the rounding up the cabinet. What, what do you see the student light life and, and, and the future of students' experiences both on and off campus looking like? I mean, we talked a little bit. Um, we, Dr. Amaritas and I had lunch on Monday. And we talked about various things and just, just trying to spend some time together. But, you know, what do you see it as? What? what What's the future look like in student life, especially after hours? All right, so before we go to the after hours, right, if we stay on the academic yep. side, uh, the education of the students, because after hours is entertainment, right? We're talking about entertainment. But, uh, but in terms of, the, of the, their professional and academic development, uh, there are a number of uh, opportunities that can and will be created, what we call high-impact uh, outside of the classroom uh, activities, right? We have a lot of students who work uh, in research, right? and that's a high-impact activity. We have a, a number of students that are engaged in the community, in the university community, student government, different clubs, different areas of interest. Right? Uh, sometimes there is uh, a social component, but sometimes there is also a learning component. Combining the both is even better. Uh, providing services to other students mentoring, tutoring students among the students. Again, very high-impact activity. You learn something better when you teach it, actually, for the first, uh, for the first time. It's about study abroad. Oh. It, and, and this defines somebody's uh, experience, and in many cases, the future. We, we had, as a department chair, I had set up an exchange program uh, through NSF uh, in Japan. And we had a number of students every year from here going to a Japanese university for a semester and coming back. You can't imagine how this changed their perspectives. Oh and a number God. of them, they work internationally by now. That's another high-impact activity. So there is a number of them. There is a number. Volunteering, right? Community service is another. Depends on, you know, not the same type of interest from different uh, students, but we need to, provi to provide a big array of such activities for them to choose, document them also. So when they, they graduate, they don't have to explain it. We explain it to the people that they're going to hire them. Uh, it's the outside, uh, outside the classroom activities that, uh, that we record. So that's one part. Now, when we're talking about entertainment, right? I think, uh, of course, you know, they need to be entertained. We need places that they can go and have a good meal, right? and affordable meal. At the same time, that's what we were talking about. And there are places that they will go and dance and have a good time. Right? Uh, for uh, we, we, the critical factor there, the critical role for the university is to to make sure that they are aware of their safety. And their safety is not compromised. Number one issue. Uh, so we, we spend a lot of effort there, messaging it while we are recruiting students. We talked about safety during orientation. We provide them with some tools. The rave up, for example, uh, and we need to do a better job continuously to advertise it so they have it on them. Uh, and, you know, talk about intervention. If you see something, do something. Uh, staying in groups. Do not compromise your decision by risky behavior. If you take risky behaviors, you maybe compromise the ability that you have to make decisions. That's important as well. So we do everything that we can to educate our students. Uh, they are adults, but they're young adults, and sometimes they don't have the experience. Uh, so these, these are the type of, uh, of measures that we take to make sure that they, they understand how they, they should be protecting themselves. Because as you know, there have been a couple of very tragic uh, incidents that we had here over the years, and we don't want uh, to have any more of this. Yeah. So I surveyed about 1,700 students. Um, during the campaign when I was running. And a lot of it was about, you know, the number one, 
talking to students one-on-one, number one issue was safety. I mean, and part of it, they want to have places to go that they can be in groups because there's a built-in safety net, you know. And, and so that's part of it. But the other thing that came out was, you know, we also want to do more things on campus, you know, uh, ha- have outdoor movies and, and other other entertainment uh, uh, options on campus as well. So not everything has to be pushed to a district or to another area or outside the campus. So it's going to be great to hear what uh, the new Dean of Student Life comes up with because I think that's what we're getting feedback and you're getting feedback and how they develop and listen to those students to do that. And I think that's, that's great because there's – What'll be interesting to see is how things continue to, to grow, and I think the student awareness uh, you talked about uh, the clubs, but also the folks wanting to perform philanthropy efforts, like you mentioned, they want to to do more things in the mentoring programs, and the kids that have benefited from these programs so far. I mean, I do the major impact. I was at Harvest Hope uh, yesterday, taking yep. a tour. One of the things that we were talking about is how do we engage more as a city? And, you know, some of it is about communication and awareness to, to hey, people, their needs year-round. And, and they were talking about how several of the sororities had already come over, and, and they were like, they packed 2,000 boxes like that. And they were so excited about it. And I'm like, but this is a great thing. You've got to tell that story because the more you tell that story, the more people want to engage um, with the student population more. It's, it, it doesn't have to be adversarial. And I think that was one of the things that came out in, in the surveys we talked about was the kids. And this, this follows on the city, and I've had this conversation with the media, is, is you know, every time something happens, it doesn't mean that you have to put the students in five points on, on the front page or the headline because not everything happens there and not everything that happens there is bad. And, and the students were feeling this. They felt like they weren't part of the community because everybody was blaming them even though they weren't even involved. It's, and, and I think there was an article one of the students shared with me. It says shooting in five points, but the shooting wasn't even in five points, wasn't even close to five points. But then they automatically felt it was an attack on them. And so... Just having conversations with them is starting to change, change that 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 outlay. And I think the more that you're doing to encourage them to, to to give back and be part and do different things is, is great because I think that's what they're looking. Somebody to give them a little direction, point me in the direction. Let me figure it out myself, but just point me in that direction. They're, they're very very excited about certain courses, uh, and, and they want to contribute when it comes to the environment, when it comes to inequalities that we have, when it comes to disease, maybe, you know, the dance marathon, right? It's a great oh, event on campus. unbelievable. Oh, yes. It's incredible. I think it's our largest student organization on campus. They've raised millions of dollars. They raised, uh, what, uh, over a million bucks last year? Is that yes. right? Yeah, it was over I a million so. dollars. I remember seeing it. If not, over a million just there. So, so close. Um, and so yeah, our, our service on campus is... Incredible students now more than ever want to give back to their communities and be engaged and involved and be hands-on in whatever they're involved in. Um, And so it's incredible to watch. I had the opportunity to work at the university all summer long in the Department of Leadership and Service and getting to see firsthand all of the service experience that we provide for our students, um, our capstone fellows and scholars, they go out almost every Saturday and serve in the Columbia community. Um, we put on an event once a year called the Big Event and where students come together to serve. And so I think they want to be engaged and involved now more than ever and bringing them into the conversation, whether that's about five points or whether that's about a philanthropic event, is so important. So part of the Collegiate Council, one of the things that came out of our first couple meetings is they would like us to try to plan an event in the spring that's a college event somewhere where there's music and all six colleges and universities have an opportunity to participate so that they can interact together and have a day that's about them. And I thought that was a great idea. So these type of things are just what's percolating from our young people here, um, which is exciting. Dr. Amaritis, I know that... um, you made you're, you're making changes. You're filling filling positions that have been open. But from a physical campus standpoint, what are some of the things you'd like to see on, on campus? Is it more opportunities for alternative energy? Is it more 
outdoor space? It, what, what do you see the campus during your tenure here? Things that you'd like to see happen over there? Well, the big the big difference is going to be the new medical uh, campus that uh, that we are building on Bull Street, just across the street from our partner at Prisma. That's a big project. That's a three hundred million dollar project. Uh, that part of it is. Uh, is financed by the state, part of it is by own money, and part of it will be bonded. Uh, and this will create two new state-of-the-art buildings, one that is focusing on medical education, which is going to be really one of the most uh, technology-savvy and uh, also uh, as, as modern as it can be uh, educational facility, and at the same time next to it is going to be an excellent research facility with unique equipment where you can do basic science, but you can do some clinical research as well. This is going to change, uh, again, the look and the area uh, there. Um, We are looking at capital needs right now, in addition to what we have uh, with a large number of students. Some of our student services are pressed Mm -hmm. uh, for space. Our, Our student center, for example, I'm curious to see what the students think. In a few weeks, uh, our student center uh, is flooded with students all the time. I mean, there is uh, so much activity in there. And it's the same that it was, the same space that it was uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I came here uh, with a fraction of the number of the students uh, that we have uh, right now. So that's another consideration. Um, our, uh, our project on the South Campus uh, with 1,800 new beds is going to come to completion. Uh, by uh, by next September, uh, but at the same time, uh, we will barely meet the needs that we have right now, and we have to think and look into the future. Uh, so this is in a in a very quick summary the most important things that they are on the radar screen right now. Uh, again, I'm waiting to to hear and understand the needs of different colleges. It is likely that we will need more labs, research labs, both in the sciences and in engineering. And where do they place them and how do we manage them is a different story. Uh, but uh, we have very good undergraduate teaching labs in chemistry right now, and we are innovating biology there. Top notch. I've never seen this type of chemistry instructional labs anywhere. Wow. Uh, but we're falling behind in terms of our research labs, and that's important to, to improve them as well. Uh, slowly, we will we'll put the, the plants together. Uh, because we're talking about a period of five years to do some of these. Do you see a, a, you know, a trend with a lot of universities? Um, we're seeing more partnerships with private sector to get that done. So so it's it's more of a partnership t- with the private sector for multiple reasons. And today, A, the private sector can get usually get it done faster. B, there's some cost savings there, obviously, because of not the same procurement, but also it keeps things on the on the tax roll. It's a way to, to tie in different things at the community. Do you see the university kind of moving towards a little bit of this and a little bit of that, kind of mixing this in the future to get projects done? Because I know these these labs, I mean, things are cha- technology is changing so quickly, and you, you almost have to think 20 years ahead just to st- st- stay in today's time frame? I, I have done this in Chicago. Uh, we have done a number of public-private uh, partnerships. Uh, in fact, uh, we completed a, uh, a residence hall with classrooms attached to it, a $100 million project. Uh, they're about to, to cut the ribbon on an outpatient surgery center, $250 million project. All of wow. these were P3s. Right? So I, I like them. Uh, you have to have the right uh, the right partner the right partner and the right project uh, there. But, of course, uh, you know, bringing the, uh, the private sector in, uh, it helps. It, uh, it brings the, the investment that the state may not be able to make or the university. And at the same time, uh, it brings some of the efficiencies of the private sector in terms of uh, faster, uh, less expensive in building it because they do this every day. Right. They don't do it every, every couple of years. Um. Another quick question, uh, I'd love for both of you to answer. I read an article several months ago that there starts to be this growing trend on major universities that students want to live on campus more than off campus, that the trend is reversing a little bit. Are y'all hearing that, seeing that, or was that just a, a 
somebody trying to create uh, a, a business model. I don't know, but I thought it was kind of interesting is that, that they were doing these surveys and that people, because they didn't, they didn't want to have a car and they wanted all that, they wanted to be more integrated uh, and, and have that living on campus, obviously with nicer facilities, not the dorm rooms that we had when we were all <laughs> in school. But yeah, have you heard that as well? Or is that a trend or is that? I think it's up to personal preference to the student. Um, but that is definitely a trend that I have felt. I lived on campus my freshman year in Patterson Hall. And then my sophomore year, I lived in the Greek Village. So that's still on campus housing. And then last year, I lived in Empire, which is um, right by the university, about a five-minute walk to the Horseshoe. And so I absolutely loved being close to campus, feeling like I was living in a part of the community that I was engaged in socially and academically. So I think that trend is very real. I think a lot of students feel that. Um, Though, as it is now, most students are freshmen who live on campus. And I think that freshman living really buys into the piece of our nation's best first year experience. Um, and so students want to be a part of that best first year experience from their freshman year and staying in their sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, so I definitely see that's a trend. So we'll, we'll see what happens with our students. But I, I see the trend. I'll tell you the proof for this. Um, this year, we, we were not able to accommodate uh, an additional 2,000 applications for housing that were coming from sophomores. Wow. So we accommodate all the freshmen uh, and some sophomores, and we had 2,000 more beds. If we had 2,000 more beds, we would have filled them. Filled uh, them with, with upper class? With, with sophomores. Mm -hmm. With sophomores wow. primarily. And, and there, are, uh, there are indicators that show that the second year uh, in a in a different type of residency hall with uh, cohorts, mm -hmm. right, and emphasis in certain areas, certainly uh, improves the probability of uh, success in terms of on-time graduation, GPA. Uh, there is, uh, by now, there are a number of, uh, of public universities that uh, almost require a second year in the dorms. The Ohio State, the Ohio State, be yeah. careful here, right? The Buckeyes. <laughs> University uh, is implementing, it's almost mandatory. I don't believe it's a mandatory, but strongly recommended uh, there. And there are others that they have followed. And I think they do. I think the kids, uh, one of my best friend's daughter goes there, and, and all of her friends and herself lived on campus last year in their sophomore year. They didn't leave till their junior year, and they're really like next to campus anyway, where where they're where they're living. So certainly the trend is there from the students and from the institutions. It's be interesting as we talk about the development of 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 South Maine and and other opportunities right there, which is is all center of our community. It's like on campus there. Yeah, it is, it is. But the campus is 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 integrating uh, along, and so I see that with the other campuses as well uh, here. Let me just say that in, in an hour or so, I have to throw the first pitch in the Fireflies uh, game. So uh, I, I'm afraid we have to wrap it up. <laughs> well, soon. we I are, hope, we are about to finish up because I was Great. about to segue because but I know you want to go warm up that arm a little bit. <laughs> get ready anyway, for that. It's going to be a perfect strike. Yep, that's no what matter what you hear or what you see, it's a perfect, perfect strike. strike. Hey, exactly. It's in the eye of the beholder, as they say, right? Yep. The rest of it is fake news. We talked about <laughs> it. <laughs> so, you know, my last question to both of you is, is what else do you want people to know about the university that you don't think we've talked about? What's that one thing you want to leave everybody with? The University of South Carolina is such an incredible place to be engaged in academically, socially, and so many more reasons. I have just thrived at the University of South Carolina. I came from a high school with a graduating class of 45 students and coming into a large institution. I was very nervous about finding my place and fitting in, but I truly believe that there's a place for every student on our campus um, and that sense of belonging. And so I want to leave with people that the University of South Carolina is just an incredible place to be. There's a lot of good stuff happening right now. We're capitalizing on the energy of our new students, on the energy of our new senior leaders um, and athletics. Obviously, I know I'm personally looking forward to year two of Beamer Ball. We have some new LED lights in Williams-Brice. So I think football this year is going to be just top notch. Um, but we have a lot of good stuff going on right now, and it's the place to be. 
we talked a lot about uh, infrastructure, about programs, about students, uh, but uh, a very important component of, of a university is the human infrastructure that the university has. So I want everybody to know that we have excellent, excellent teachers and a very dedicated staff. And uh, Coach Beamer, uh, Coach Stelly, that has a great event tonight, uh, and all the rest of the coaches are teachers first and foremost as well. So we have the instructors and we have the staff that make this university a great university. If we didn't have them, we could have all the physical infrastructure and the location and we would be a mediocre university without having excellent faculty and staff. So that's what I'm proud about, along with our students, of <laughs> course. Oh, yes. They're all mentors and they pour into us and, and care for us. And I think that's just made all of our experiences that much better. I tell you, I, I will tell you, Mr. President, I have not received one complaint about a professor. So I'll just tell you that uh, with all the interactions I've had with the students, um, that's actually a subject that's never come up, which is a good thing um, because uh, I, I do think people are enjoying their experience. I want to thank both of you for taking time to come and, and share a little bit um, with our listeners and and. and Really thank both of you for what you're doing for the university and your commitment to Columbia as a city. Um, it's very important. And, um, you know, the last eight months has been very interesting for me, um, and but so exciting every day. I tell people all the time I have the best job in the world. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, and people look at me like I'm crazy. And I was like, well, I'm probably crazy for sure. Anyway, we understand that. But this is home. And at the end of the day, that's what matters most. And, and when we look at things and and we're experiencing things and we're engaging with people, you know, I want to tell the story because when I tell people the story of Columbia, South Carolina, when I'm out and about, they're like, why don't y'all tell people about that place? It's it's amazing, and sometimes it gets lost. But uh, thank you both for what you're doing. Thank you for your time. And listeners, we look forward to uh, our next episode. But thank you all for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.